Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are going to be talking about some of the actions brave celebrities are taking to just end systemic racism once and for all. You heard me prejudice, BTFO'd, thank you Hollywood. Then Cyberpunk 2077, the highly anticipated game, apparently features some feminist elements in its story, but according to Miss Anita Sarkeesian, the game just may not go far enough in promoting respect for women. Or something like that. We're gonna be talking about it, but first let us once more discuss racism. And guys, if you're tired of hearing about racism, trust me, so am I. It just feels like every time the past few weeks that I turn on the news or go on social media, it is nothing but racial division and racial grievances, racial identity politics, and I am just, I am so tired of it. But it feels right now like we're at a breaking point. Like all of the cultural and political issues, the intersectionality that we've been discussing here for years, it feels like it's all center stage right now. And people like Tim Pool, they actually think we're heading for a civil war. I mean, I, I personally, I really hope that's not the case, but whatever direction it is that we're going to, I think it's safe to say that society has not been this divided, this fractured in a really long time, and it's it's scary. But a couple of weeks ago, we did a segment about how some networks like Sky Media and Disney would be putting disclaimers on some of the older shows and, and uh, movies that they have about outdated cultural depictions or something like that, pretty much non-PC imagery. And I'm sure a lot of you, when you heard about that, thought, oh, that's kind of annoying, a little over the top, but whatever. It's older movies, older TV shows. Who cares? At least it's not affecting the media I consume right now what's coming out currently. Well, I wouldn't be too sure about that because apparently in 2020, people who are not the same skin color as animated characters cannot voice them. It's all very confusing and doesn't make a lot of sense. We're gonna be talking about it though, but first I wanna tell you folks about NetSuite. So smart companies run on NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. With NetSuite, you'll have visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more, everything you need all in one place. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite lets you manage every penny with precision. You'll have the agility to compete with anyone, work from anywhere, and run your whole company right from your phone. Join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to make it happen. NetSuite has surveyed hundreds of business leaders and assembled a playbook of the top strategies they're using as America reopens for business. So receive your free guide, seven actions businesses need to take now and schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash lauren don't nut don't let what you don't know about your business hurt your growth get your free guide and schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash lauren again that is netsuite.com slash lauren so they know that our show sent you so there is a show that you may or may not be familiar with called big mouth on netflix and personally I am not a fan. I find it pretty vulgar and gross, but one of the characters is a black girl who is, or at least was, voiced by a white woman, which is no longer okay. And so now the actress in question, Jenny Slate, has announced that she is stepping back from that role. We have this article from TV Guide. It says, in a recent Instagram, Jenny Slate announced that she can no longer voice Missy, a character that's been lauded as a sensitive portrayal of sweet, weird, and brilliant black girls on Netflix's Big Mouth. She said, at the start of the show, I reasoned with myself that it was permissible for me to play Missy because her mom is Jewish and white, as am I. But Missy is also black, and black characters on an animated 
animated show should be played by black people, said Slate. I acknowledge how my original reasoning was flawed, that it existed as an example of white privilege and unjust allowances made within a system of societal white supremacy, and that in me playing Missy, I was engaging in an act of erasure of black people. Ending my portrayal of Missy is one step in a lifelong process of uncovering the racism in my actions. Oh my goodness, that was a heck of a lot of social justice buzzwords. All right, so let's unpack this. Number one, have you noticed how much self-flagellation there is in all of these statements right now? It's like if you are a white person in Hollywood, it is no longer enough to come out and denounce racism. No, you also have to announce how racist you are as a white person or else it just apparently is not good enough. But uh, as someone who is mixed race, I just got to say, if, if there's ever an animated series about my life or even a live action series about my life, I am totally fine with either a white person or a Chinese person playing me if the person isn't like perfectly my exact racial makeup. But for some reason, Hollywood, and I think society in general has it that if, if you are part black, it's like the one drop rule, then you, you are black. Anything ha having to do with you must be black, right? Because I mean, I'm pretty sure there wouldn't be a problem if the person playing Missy and it seems like this character is half white, half black was fully black, but they can't be fully white. You get what I mean? They need to have that little bit of ethnicity in there, which is so strange because I get all the time, get told all the time by these social justice warriors that I'm not really Asian because I'm only half, but I feel like that doesn't apply for black people for some reason, right? I, I don't know. It's just strange. There's a double standard, but uh, as crazy as that sounds, this actress is not the only one to recently do this. Kristen Bell apparently is also in an animated series called Central Park. I had never heard of the show before, which is strange because I really thought I was like hip with the young people and what they were watching. I guess not, but the show released a statement saying, After reflection, Kristen, along with the entire creative team, recognizes that the casting of the character of Molly is an opportunity to get representation right, to cast a black or mixed-race actress and give Molly a voice that resonates with all the nuance and experiences of the character as we've drawn her. And they continue by saying, We profoundly regret that we might have contributed to anyone's feeling of exclusion or erasure. Okay, let me just say that if there is a live-action work, movie, or TV show, i.e. with actual physical actors on screen, I understand why. You should probably try to get things right, right? If someone is, if there's a character that's supposed to be Hispanic, you know, taking a blonde girl and spraying some fake town on her, that's not going to look very good. That's not going to be very authentic. So I, I kind of understand that, especially in the past. I mean, there were entire movie roles that were supposed to be played by Asian people that were just white people, like yellowed up squinty face. I get why we don't do that anymore. But when it comes to animated characters, animated series, who cares? I mean, is, is the question that, no, the voice doesn't sound black enough, in which case that opens up a whole other discussion about racism and what black people, quote, should sound like. Um, is it a question of wanting to get more black voice actors behind the scenes? And if so, I mean, I'm fine with that, but why not introduce new characters and have them play that? Why do you have to kick white actresses out of their existing roles? And I really do say that I hope that these were choices that these actresses made themselves and that they weren't bullied into it. I mean, I before this didn't hear anything about there being an issue with them in these roles, but who knows, maybe I just didn't have my ear to the ground enough. But uh, speaking of like censoring past media, 
30 Rock apparently has a blackface problem. Who knew, right? It's it's kind of funny because as much as we hear about the racism of blackface and how terrible it is, I'm not arguing otherwise, but have you noticed that all of the examples of blackface that have come up, they haven't really come from conservatives, right? It's been Democrat or liberal politicians and Hollywood. It seems like those are the only two places that blackface was ever really popular, and yet they kind of paint blackface as this conservative, right-wing, racist thing to do. It's like, hang on, you guys are the only ones who were, who, who ever did it, right? It's so strange. Um, but yeah, Variety has this saying that 30 Rock creators Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, along with the show's owner, NBC Universal, have asked that four episodes of the series in which characters appear in blackface be removed from streaming and syndication. Wow, four whole episodes with blackface. That's it's quite a lot of blackface. By the way, our show, we've, we've done hundreds of episodes. No blackface. Just saying. This is the statement that I think Tina Fey released. She said, as we strive to do the work and do better in regards to race in America, we believe that these episodes featuring actors in race-changing makeup are best taken out of circulation. I understand now that the intent is not a free pass for white people to use these images. I apologize for the pain they have caused going forward. No comedy-loving kidneys to stumble on these tropes and be stung by their ugliness. I have a huge problem with people who don't respect intent and context when it comes to art, to entertainment. There's this whole narrative right now that some things are just unacceptable no matter the situation. And I really, I really disagree. I am someone who thinks that nothing should be off limits for comedy, right? Because whether something is funny or not, frankly, isn't determined by whether something is politically correct or not. In fact, I would say the opposite. And comedians, creators, writers, they need to be able to artistically explore those taboo issues in, able, in order to make people laugh or to make statements about the world. I really hate seeing creatives being given all of these rules and regulations about how they should or should not do their art. And I know that sounds super hippy-dippy, but honestly, as someone who is a fan of TVs and movies, I just worry about what the future of comedy looks like going forward if there are so many stories, so many subjects, so many jokes that are just now off limits. And what's even more frustrating is that even though you could argue that, oh, this is Tina Fey's choice, this is Kristen Bell's choice, they can do whatever they want with their careers, that's true, but you have to realize the more that people do things like this in the entertainment industry, the more it sets a, st sets a standard where it's expected that everyone will act the sa same and will comply, which is a problem as we have seen for people who maybe aren't able to stand up to the mob. And I'm talking, of course, about Jenna Marbles. If you're not familiar with her, she is one of the original YouTubers. She's one of the biggest YouTubers on the entire platform. I personally am not really subscribed to her, but I've seen her videos here and there, and she's pretty funny. I'm, I'm sure you, if you see her, you would know who I'm talking about. Well, she recently announced that she was quitting YouTube after being criticized for, in her past videos, doing things like blackface or making racial jokes and things like that. And she released this video crying, um, kind of saying that she didn't want her content to be responsible for hurting anyone. And she was walking away from YouTube. We have a clip here. Hopefully I've taken down uh, anything that would upset someone. And I hope you know that that's just not my intent. That's not what I ever set out to do, to hurt anyone's feelings or to make anyone feel bad. Um, so I'm just, I don't, I don't want to be like upset while I say this. So give me a second. So, um, I think I'm just going to move on from this channel for now. 
Um, I don't know if that's forever. I don't know how long it's going to be. Um, I'm just, I want to make sure that the things that I put into the world are not hurting anyone. The hard thing about this whole purity spiral that the left is now engaging in is that for people who are really just in it for the virtue signaling points, who don't actually care, who just want to be in good graces with the audience so they can continue to make money, it doesn't really matter, right? People like Jimmy Kimmel, Sarah Silverman, they're going to apologize and move on and whatever the latest narrative is that's socially acceptable, they'll just jump onto that bandwagon, no problem. But for people who actually have a sense of empathy and moral compass, which is rare in entertainment, someone, I think, like Jenna Marbles, when you have people lobbying all of this criticism at you and saying, you hurt me, this was wrong for you to do, I, I am so offended by this, you've caused me to feel unsafe, blah, blah, blah. There are artists that are actually going to take that to heart and think, oh crap, what have I, what have I done? And, and don't get me wrong, I think, I think she's wrong to kind of take the mob mentality feedback that seriously, but I think if you are a person like Jenna Marbles, who may be very, very empathetic, maybe more sensitive, I can see how that would weigh on you. And when I was on social media, I saw so many people saying, oh no, like, yeah, the stuff you did was problematic and things, but you, you've changed, I can tell. It's not like you're this person or this person or this person who deserves to be canceled. And it's like, if you are someone who contributes to the culture of canceling people, you have no right to be upset when someone actually takes your criticisms to heart and goes, well, maybe I should walk away, right? Because this is the environment you've created for creators. And if it ends up that your favorites no longer feel that they're able to uh, positively engage with the platform, well, that's on you for making them feel like pieces of crap just for trying to make you laugh. And I, I hope you're happy with yourself. One of the most creative and most prolific creators on YouTube as a platform is now gone because of you, because of keyboard warriors. And who knows what kind of amazing videos people are now gonna miss out on because of complaining online on the internet. It's just, it's heartbreaking and upsetting at the same time. And I really do worry for the future of entertainment in general. Now, let us discuss Cyberpunk 2077. I don't know if it's just being in quarantine lockdown mode for so long and craving human interaction or a general social atmosphere, but honestly, lately, I have actually been enjoying the Feminist Frequency podcast. I know, who am I? It, it's not that I agree with them, it's just I've lately been looking forward to listening to them. And I've been subscribed to that podcast for a while now, mainly for content for the show, but I don't know, within the past couple of weeks, it's like I've liked listening to It's the strangest thing. They have a rapport going on. I don't know, I can't explain it. But anyway, uh, in a recent segment they did, they discussed how Cyberpunk 2077 appears to be making some efforts to appease feminists, but those efforts don't go far enough because reasons we have some clips we're going to be listening to. Before we do, though, I want to tell you about Keeps. So Kyle and Josh were both losing their hair. No shock since the dreaded male pattern baldness gene runs in both of their families. But the way they dealt with their hair loss couldn't have been more different. Kyle kept putting off getting hair loss treatment, losing more and more hair, while Josh, on the other hand, went to Keeps to learn how to keep his hair. Keeps offers the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products 
products. The real deal. The generic versions saved Josh a fortune, and all it took was a quick online consultation. He answered a few questions and snapped pics of his hair. Then a doctor evaluated everything and recommended the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for Josh. Then it was shipped discreetly to his door. Keeps lets you save your hair without leaving your couch. And to get you started, I got you guys 50% off. That's right, half off. Go to keeps.com slash Lauren. That's keeps.com slash Lauren, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Lauren. All right, so Cyberpunk 2077, hotly anticipated game. It has been delayed the release date, but the company that is developing it recently announced that there would be a group called the Mox that would actually go around protecting sex workers. This is a tweet, I believe, the company put out saying, formed in 2076 after the death of Elizabeth Lizzie Borden, a strip club owner and ex-prostitute who treated her workers fairly and defended them from violent clients. The mocks refer to themselves as those who protect working girls and guys from violence and abuse. If you are the average Joe Blow gamer, not really up about all this intersectionality stuff, you would probably think, that sounds super feminist, right? I mean, it's pro-sex worker. They also mention working guys, so it's like intersectional, things like that. Amazing activists should be happy. You don't know activists if that's what you're thinking because this is like a running theme of any segment we do on social justice. These activists are never happy. A case in point, this is what Anita had to say about this vigilante pro-sex worker group. I don't trust these developers, <laughs> like even a teensy tiny little bit. And and this is kind of cool. I, on the surface, the idea of presenting sex workers in a, you know, positive, authentic way with more agency than just reductive background decoration or as, you know, violence to be done upon them just to demonstrate how gritty a world, like the, the textures of these worlds are like, that's cool. I just don't trust these developers even a little bit to do this well. All right, there's this general assumption among a lot of, especially the internet right now, that feminists are naggy wet blankets who will never be happy. If you want to dispel that notion, what you shouldn't do is complain about something meant to please you before you've even seen it. That's right, I mean, this game isn't even out. The only things they've heard about this mox group should be positive, but Anita Sarkeesian is already saying she doesn't trust them to do it right. And I feel like that's not a very good way to change people's behavior, right? I mean, you have the carrot and the stick. I feel like third wave feminists are really harping on the just criticize the heck out of people when they fail to meet your standards versus congratulating and rewarding, you know, positive reinforcement when something goes your way. And it's like, give these guys a break, all right? They're just trying to not get canceled and you guys are already not happy. Uh, but it turns out we're gonna continue with this clip here that there is perhaps a reason why Anita does not trust these developers. Even within cyberpunk and within the community that's developing here, like they have tweeted transphobic tweets. They have included transphobia in their marketings already for the game. Like, I don't know if they really get this or if they will get it well enough to do it justice. I try to keep up on what's going on in the world of entertainment media, whether that's games, movies, TV shows, TV shows and things like that. I try to keep up on what the latest controversies are. I had never heard of anything to do with transphobia and cyberpunk 2077 before, but apparently uh, I had just missed this somehow in, what is it, 2018. Uh, there were two tweets that the company, oh, I'm sorry, 2019? 
no 2018 yeah there are two tweets at the company release that were branded transphobic and that label has stuck with them since so in august of 2018 in response to a user saying i want more guys the cyberpunk 2077 official twitter account responded did you just assume their gender very edgy haha meme lord this is enough to get called transphobic in this day and age it's, I mean, if they think that's transphobic, then there's no wonder that they don't like my show. But there was another one as well. The GOG.com account posted classic PC games hashtag won't be erased on our watch. Yeah, how's that for some use of hashtags? Apparently that was a hashtag won't be erased. That was being used to promote, I don't know, LGBT visibility or something like that. And they used it to make a joke about PC games. And it's just, haha, it's, it's stupid transphobic apparently i don't know but that there's actually more and this was what was really really confusing to me so there was an ad that was put out or sorry in the game there is an ad that can be seen that the developers released as a promotional image and we'll have it up on screen now and for anyone who's listening on an audio only platform basically it's of a woman in it looks like a bathing suit bodysuit thing and you can see a very obvious bulge in her nether regions. There is a little bit of lady bump going on. You, I mean, I would imagine that having lady penis would be seen as actually pro-trans issues. Cause you're like, oh, visibility. Look, here is lady you're, you're welcome. Aren't we modern? But no, this is what PC Gamer had to say about the, uh, the controversy, it says Cyberpunk 2077 studio CD Projekt Red has responded to criticism of an ad in the game that features a possibly transgender model promoting a fictional drink. The image was widely but not universally criticized as being transphobic because it reeks of fetishism, one commenter said. So I feel like you can, you just you can't win, right? You can't have no trans people in the game because that's trans erasure. You can't feature prominently lady bulge because then that's fetishism and it's like what? What is the right amount of transgenitalia that you want? I, I, I honestly don't know. And you continue listening to the podcast and it really does seem like their problem with these developers trying to dip their toes into a feminist issue is that uh, they didn't hire them on as consultants. I think that the fear is that conversely, and I've seen this happen before, you take something that sounds like a good idea, you know, and I've even had people, I've had some developers come to me and be like, does this sound like a good idea? And I'm like, it sounds like a good idea, mm. but it's all in the execution, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like I understand your fear, Anita, because again, something like this where I'm like, sounds good, but again, in the execution, do you have you know, the, the, the depth of knowledge and nuance and context to be able to pull it off. And do they care enough to like get consultants and people mm. in that can help advise that process as right. opposed to them just like, being like, this sounds like a good idea. Being a feminist who goes to game companies and tells them how to make their games more feminist, it's not a real job. And like, I I'm capitalist and I kind of believe mostly that if someone will pay you for it, it's a job, but that is not a job. That is being paid to nag people. And props to Anita Sarkeesian for managing to make a career out of an industry that she really doesn't seem to like very much. But I think part of the reason why they are upset isn't just because nothing is ever good enough for them, but also because they're not getting a check for this, right? And if gaming companies can tow the feminist line without paying out for feminist consultants, then like, I mean, that pretty much destroys their business model. 
which is, I guess, too bad for them. So it's now like they're almost gatekeeping the proper way to do feminist games just to protect their pocketbooks. It kind of seems like, I mean, of course, there is like nuance to the issue. How are we going to judge whether this is right or not? I mean, I feel like that's more of a question that should be up to the writers rather than activists. Because honestly, when I listen to a lot of these um, like feminist podcasts or read feminist blogs, I feel like their main concern is the politics. But we see where that gets pieces of media where you put politics before a story. So my message to these developers would be don't listen to these people, right? Do what feels organic and what makes sense for the world you're building, the characters you are creating. Um, if you feel like you really must put politics in there, that's fine, but don't make it the main focal point. And if you try to bring in these activists to consult on your game, that's what they're gonna want you to do. So honestly, you're better off without them. Don't listen to them. Um, we've seen even most recently with The Last of Us 2, Pandering to these people is just, it's not gonna work for your bottom line long-term, don't even do it. And then we have some closing thoughts by uh, one of the podcast hosts, I think her name is Caroline. She's actually the my favorite one on the podcast. She's the only one who ever has anything positive, it seems, to say about games or sci-fi fantasy culture. She's the only one who actually has like an appreciation for the things she's critiquing, but uh, I do have to disagree with her on this point. Violent, you know, violence against women is used to to sell the idea of the world as a brutal kind of savage place. And it's it's used in a very sensationalized way. You know, there's a whole quest line where you're pursuing a, a serial killer. And, you know, there are scenes where you're in spaces and there's just naked, dead bodies of women everywhere, you know, murdered in like horrifying, grisly ways. There's a lot of criticism from feminists about the way that women are treated in video games, and they talk about the sexualization of women as well, but there's also the issue of how violence is portrayed against women. A lot of people don't like, for example, how in the Grand Theft Auto games you can just run over prostitutes and things like that. They say it glorifies violence against women. I am not going to deny that in a way, Grand Theft Auto, those types of games do glorify violence against women, but it seems a little bit hypocritical to me to complain about the violence being done against women when not even mentioning at all the violence done against men in those games, which is most of the violence. I mean, any video game violence, it pretty much is directed to men, especially if you look at games like, I mean, Call of Duty, Battlefield, anything like that they'd probably complain that, oh, there aren't enough female characters in the game, but it also means that, hey, you're not killing any female characters in the game. So it's this weird push and pull between wanting to involve more female characters in the game, but also recognizing that, hey, if there are female characters in what is an inherently violent video game, that probably means that violence will be done upon those female characters. So it's like, you can't really have your cake and eat it too. If you, if you want representation in the game, then you're gonna be treated like any other character, which in video games nowadays kind of means potentially having your head blown off, unless you're someone who objects to violence in video games entirely, but then that is just a, a whole different story. Cyberpunk 2077, it's not even out yet, but already, as is kind of common nowadays, it's causing a controversy over how woke it's gonna be. Woke enough, way too woke, who knows? Um, as always though, I would love to hear what you all think about this. Are you excited for Cyberpunk 2077? Are you at all worried that it might be going the way of The Last of Us Part Two, Or do you think overall it still might be a solid game despite what seems like maybe an effort to please some of the activist crowds out there. Let me know, but that's it for now. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time.